Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. from Eden Hazard, Kai Havertz in the Champions League final, Ivanovic! In the middle, it's just behind him, but it's by Hakim Ziyech. Matic with the ball driver! It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode, after 76 years, finally, the Eden Hazard celebration episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in the virtual room, filled with lions. I've got Ollie, I've got Berth, and I've got Chris. Uh, Much discussed today. Um, mainly because we know what's going to happen. We know the episode is finally arriving. Uh, but, 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 what are you guys most looking forward to this international break weekend? Oh, there's so much to do, so much to see. What's wrong with taking the back seat? Eh? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Take I don't know. The the, the... You never know if you don't know. <laughs> oh, you're an Oscar. Can you get? Yeah, I clicked at the end. No, I, I'm not really actually doing anything at all. I just wanted to. I just wanted to say that. Uh, <laughs> more than wow. What? What about you, Chris? <laughs> uh, I, do you know what? I, I haven't really got any. This week sort of got away from me. You know, when it just like the weekend suddenly here, and you think, oh, I didn't realise it was Friday. That oh, was me come today. On. Where's I, Monday? I, Where's Monday? Come I, on, I, I didn't realise it was. It, so I haven't really got any plans. I'm a bit like Ollie. I don't think I've got much on, except for the usual, you know, inherent football-based events. So I haven't really got anything else on, I don't think. <laughs> what about you, Berth? Uh, well, I go on holiday on Monday. Have you got your so, passport sorted? Uh, no, it's actually in <laughs> England this time, so there'll be no passport issues. I'm going oh, to the seaside for a week. Uh, so nice. that's something to look forward to. Obviously, I'm not very well, so I'm going to use this weekend to recover. And then Monday, I can hopefully be fully recovered for my holiday. Oh, that's we hope so. We all hope <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, we wish you better, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, Thank you. For me, Sky Sports, NFL, 6pm, Sunday Ooh. night. It's the Seattle Seahawks at Cincinnati Bengals on Sky Live. I'm so hyped to finally see my team in HD on Sky Sports legally. And I do not watch it through any other theory. There's no other say, reason. No, no. We do not we condone illegal streaming. No, never. No, <laughs> okay. we do not do what that at all. Uh, but one thing we do do is uh, hit the news. Oh, it's that time of the week where we check out what you may have missed in the elevator Chelsea news. VAR audio from Malo Gusto's red card versus Villa got released this week. Kendry Pies will join the Chelsea squad to meet the players and get in some training at the conclusion of the Ecuador League of Pro season. Petacek made 62 saves for ice hockey team Oxford City Stars to earn a Man of the Match award against Streatham Redhawks. Romelu Lukaku has said, if I talked about the summer, everyone would be speechless. A Strasbourg supporters group slammed the club's blue co-owners, saying we don't want the incompetence that reigns at Chelsea at RCSA. And finally, Gabri Vega. Yes, remember the Celta Vigo wonder kid? He said that he did not join the Saudi Pro League just for the money. It was the best option to develop as a player, grow under a young coach and a team full of stars and a league improving as the Saudi Premier League are. I mean, look, I don't know about you guys. Does he think he's in that one film like The Invention of Lying? <laughs> I, you know, I where he just like he honestly, just starts making things up and assumes everyone I, believes it's true. I I actually believe him. 
He didn't. He didn't join for the money. It was it was ninety eight percent for the money, and probably the other two percent was his new car he's going to get. But he didn't. He didn't join all for the money. <laughs> but what what did what did what grabbed your attention this week? Can we uh, talk about the the gusto the gusto order? Yeah, that's what I had actually wrote down. But yeah, because again, it's another one of these situations where yet again we're seeing this kind of strange explanation really for for what happened on VAR when when realistically that it just shouldn't have been given really and I don't know just listening to the audio made it sound so jumbled in the VAR room for me like I, for, from what I can tell it's kind of been purged off the internet for, for copyright I noticed um, that as well I thought that when I was going through our but, tweets but when I did see it like it sounded so messy and like convoluted there were so many people talking over each other like I'm not surprised oh, yeah, yeah. that there was confusion or they're not surprised that the wrong call in the end was made because uh, it just <clears> seems that they're overcomplicating it massively with VAR at the moment and and ultimately, again, as I keep saying, uh, it's on the referees to improve and there to be more of a, a system of accountability and transparency and meritocracy, mm. but we're not seeing that at the moment. I'm, I mean, I think what I found frustrating was that there was not a single reference made to him winning the ball and then his foot obviously following through, which then caught Digne. Um And then they show, like, the first thing the ref sees is the is like the the still picture of like you where can the use, peak of yeah. the impact, and it's you just can like, use still the, photos to make something look better or worse depending on what you're trying to push. And it's okay to show them that, but you need to show them the whole incident through first, I think, because if you show yeah. them that first, that like they've already kind of made their mind up in their head before they see anything else, you know? Like, uh, yeah, the and order then, in which they see stuff matters. And then Howard Webb's comments on the red card versus the Kovacic incident. Just like this is this is what he said. He went, "The difference between Kovacic and the Gusto fouls, the contact is a little bit more to the side of an upright foot as opposed to a side on foot that we saw with Gusto on Kovacic's second yellow." The referee doesn't want to have a negative impact on the game by overreacting. Now that really annoyed me. Yeah, because that look. I mean, to me, that's look that you they won't send a player off if it's a big game then, and the referee just feels a little bit under pressure. So, oh, you know, you know, red card could negatively impact a game, and I am not having that whatsoever because a yellow is a yellow and a red is a red. It doesn't matter if it is minute two, twenty-two, or ninety-two. It's a red it's, card. It, it, the it thing is, is it, it's no. always been like that, though. Like, like refs get big games, like let big games get away from them all the time. This isn't a, a VAR issue. That's just that's just referees not doing. It's their poor. Job. It's it, exactly, and you can't you can't have that. You cannot have that. You know, we still rule. You, there's no reason to abuse a, an official at all, but they need to be held to account. Yeah, absolutely. in a in a proper manner, but. You can't have that. Oh, well, it was the minute, it was the fifth minute. I didn't want to send him off. Yeah, but it's a red card, isn't it? If it was minute 55, you send him off. Well, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, and the, that, yeah. the problem is as well, is like that, like what he said, what Webb said specifically about that tackle. He said, oh, it's a bit more this or a bit more that. No, it's, just it's not nonsense. clear and obvious then, is it? Yeah. Because yeah. VAR is only supposed to turn over clear and obvious errors. If yeah. things are only a little bit this way or that way, the on-field decision should be what it is. Like that, And the problem is with that, specific foul as well or like that specific kind of foul because we saw other players get sent off for similar ones that weekend i think yeah um is that that can be interpreted as four different things by four different referees that could be Mm. a red card yellow card exactly foul or not even a foul and so 
it's I just don't understand the the, the way they're just overcomplicating VAR to the point that it it is becoming a detriment to the game. Yeah. What what do you think, Chris? Um, I think you the 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 issue with VAR is I I think you hit the nail on the head, Mikey. Where it seems like there's too many people involved, um, and the referee's meant to be the one ref in the game. No, yeah. I agree with what you said, Ollie, about you shouldn't go over and the first thing you see is a still image because that can that will already sway you even when you then see the full replay. I think you could eradicate most of VAR problems relatively quickly by the person in the VAR room doesn't make any decision at all. They literally just show the ref the replays when he requests to see a replay. And the and if you give every manager every team a challenge per half like they have in tennis for a decision, if you NFL. get that yeah, if you get that decision right, you keep your challenge. So you get one challenge a half. If you challenge a decision, the ref overturns it, you keep your challenge. If he thinks no, then you lose it. And then the referee can go over and take his time because he's not going to be going over there all the time. The only thing you could probably maybe get the person in the VR room involved in is if it's violent conduct off the ball. So someone punching someone or, you know, there's the Dan headbutt, anything like that. But anything else that's game-based, a team has to challenge because there's no way in that Gusto red card, there's no way Villa used their challenge on that. Because it's not, a, it's it's not. No one asked for a red card. Everyone was shocked. So mm. that way, you'll only have the ref looking at things that are actually clear and obvious. And yeah, then and that way the you have then VAR. Over. VAR can then step in, can't they? And go, actually, yeah. no, like you've done. So you like we think you've made a mistake here. Go over to the referee. I, it just makes no sense. So one thing I I, I learned recently, I, I learned it yesterday about about um, refereeing and the way that. Um, like the refereeing, there is a somewhat of like a point system that referees are graded on, right, at games. And it's set up in the FIFA guidelines that their score is lowered when referees are sent to the monitor. How huh. ridiculous is that? And like you so you're setting up the system to disincentivize using it. Yeah. It's, it yeah. makes no sense at all to me. Oh, I mean, what do you think, Berth? Um, to be honest with you, uh you see in all sorts of sports now that cricket, tennis, rugby, all the people that use the technology to monitor decisions and, and change decisions, they're all competent and they all work and there's no flaws. You, you literally see no flaws in all of those sports with how they use their technology and how they review decisions. Why is it in football that it's so hard to get the right formula mm -hmm. to correct these decisions? Now, of course, when you see a still photograph of someone stood quite high up on someone's shin it's going to look like a red card but like common sense doesn't ever seem to come into play when it comes to uh, making these decisions and, and sort of judging these decisions which is really frustrating for fans and the players I suppose mm. because I think if Gusto stays on that just changes the game massively and you look at you look at the Liverpool VAR audio, you look at the Gusto audio, it's just a mess. No mm. one there's no control whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, there's true. just no control whatsoever. And it's a real, real bad luck mm. if you're a referee at the moment. And there's no way around it. You're just it, it's crazy that football is the only sport in the world where it's very rare 
that you say he's had a really good refereeing performance because how many times have you said that over the past yeah. three, four years? That's fair. Every I've... other sport, every other sport, no one even mentions the umpires, the referees. Yeah. It it just is only happening in football. Now I've not got a problem with VAR, absolutely not, but the people in charge need a real good long look and need to change how this is working because it just it's a mess. That's mm. all it is. It's a mess. I agree. No, I I think we can all agree on that. Um Hey, finally, finally, after teasing it for 76 years, it feels like we're we're finally doing that deep dive into the illustrious career of one of the most electrifying footballers of our time, uh, Eden Hazard, because Ooh. this week he announced his retirement from professional football uh, from, from his early days in Lille to his unforgettable years at Chelsea and beyond. We're, we're going to explore the journey of this Belgian maestro. So, so team... Uh, when Eden Hazard, he announced his retirement from football this week. What, what were just your initial reactions to the news? And and did it come as a surprise or was it more like, yeah, this was obvious? No, no surprise, really. Mm, I, yeah. Surprise. I think, to be honest, I think it's actually a surprise that he didn't do it a year earlier. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean... Real Madrid was still Chelsea, paying him, though. <laughs> yeah, true. As a Chelsea fan, I think we've all got an attachment to him. Uh, yeah. We've all got fondness towards him, so I think it's it was a real sad day to see him sort of finally retire. Uh, we all wanted him to do well at Real Madrid. I don't think there was any Chelsea fan that wanted him to fail at Madrid. Uh, the way it panned out, I think all Chelsea fans are a bit gutted. Mm. So it, I mean, he was just a magical player. There's and also he wanted- like a. Carry there's on, like a, there's like a selfish thing though, isn't there? That like he was only like at his best for us. That is quite yeah, a nice feeling. Yeah. Not that yeah, like, anyone would have wanted yeah. him to fail or have seen him out to fail, but there is quite a nice feeling about knowing that he's almost like he's our legend only. Yeah, he's ours. Really. Yeah, he's ours. He's remembered for being a Chelsea legend. What do you think, Chris? Were you shocked? No, not really. I'm sort of with Bertha. <laughs> It's a it's a shame because when when a player of his quality retires, it, they normally you, you want him to go out sort of on a high. Um, but he sort of semi-retired at Real Madrid, didn't he? Let's be honest. Like no one's really seen him play for like two years, so mm-hmm. it's it feels a bit it feels a bit surreal um, more than it, more than his retirement should have because he's everyone sort of forgot about him and which is a real shame because for how good he was at Chelsea for so long it's really sad now to see that people seem to have forgot that and they're only judging him by what he didn't do at Real Madrid which is ridiculous because for eight years at Chelsea he was he was up there with the best players in the world yeah so it's it's sad that his career sort of petered out like that and I just I hope I hope that all Chelsea fans especially remember him for what he did for us and not anything after. Yeah, I I, I strongly, I strongly, what's the word? Not empowered the message. Agree with that message. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, let, let's start with the early years at Lille. I mean, it, it, it kicks off obviously in 2005 when he was just 16. Uh, didn't take him long for to make a name for himself. And he had he had those dazzling dribbling skills, exceptional vision, and an eye for goal. And he, he became quickly 
one of Ligue 1's brightest young players. And in his time at Lille, Hazard won the Ligue 1 Player of the Year twice, which was solidifying his reputation as one of Europe's top, top talents. I, I remember from getting him on FIFA, I was like, yes, need him in career mode. And look, he, he played a pivotal role in Lille's Ligue 1 triumph when they won the title in 2010-2011. That was their first ever league title as well in over half a century. And his performances obviously then started to attract the attention of the top European clubs. And that just sort of set the stage for a high profile move, as it always does. Uh, look, what what were the key moments or matches that you think showcases rising talent during his time in France? It's a specific moment for me. I don't know why, because there was a million other things he did that were better than this. But there was just that one really long, like far out screamer he scored. With his left foot for Lille, yeah, I think oh, was it his left? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really far out, and I remember seeing that at the time as like a young kid, and and being like, "Wow, this guy is unbelievable." Not actually knowing that actually, like that wasn't even the strength of his game. Like shooting like screamers from far out, you know. Obviously, like his his game was a lot more in the dribbling and and sort of close control and stuff. So to even see a player like exhibit something that wasn't even even their main strength so well just showed how much of a, a, a talent he really was. Yeah, I've just pulled that goal up on my... Th- oh, it's insane. Oh, it's what I, d- I don't know goal. how he generates <laughs> so much power because he, he's not even, like he's not a power kind of bloke, is he? Like, we no. hit the ball with ferocity, but in that one, he really laced it. I mean, I'll jump in and say, like, obviously he was voted League One's Young Player of the Year in 08-09. And then in May of 2010, he scores an absolute quality hat-trick against St Etienne and doing exactly what you know he can do he he did for Chelsea you know took on defenders and just finds the back of the net and that crowning achievement that in his Lille his time at Lille was just how he played that role it was pivotal in helping the club win that league title and his performances just throughout that campaign were just uh, just exceptional quality I mean he ended his time at Lille (laughs) I love this. Uh, by scoring a hat trick whilst having not slept and spent most of the night partying. A hat trick on the road whilst hung over. Say no more. Through and through. And- I love it. <laughs> I love it. To be fair, most, if you watch the highlights of that game, most of that squad are still pissed. <laughs> <laughs> they're still, they're not, they're no way there. Quality level to play a football game. No chance. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously we'll talk about his the Premier League era because this is prime Hazard. So June 2012, he makes this anticipated move to Chelsea, and we know how he does it. He's signing for the Champions League winner. So thank you, Drogba. Oh, you you secured a signing of Eden Hazard. You really did. And obviously the rest of the team in that uh, that final, and it was there was immense expectations because and because of who he was, how he what he came and everything. And he didn't disappoint, you know, which is something we can't say nowadays about our silence, but his dynamic style of play, it just made that instant impact. And he just became a fan favourite from day one. And during his time at Chelsea, he was the driving force behind a lot of our success. I mean, two Premier League titles, an FA Cup, a, a Europa League. That that was that was a, that was his tournament, really, and Giroud. And his performances in the 14-15 and then in the 18-19 seasons earned him that Premier League Player of the Season award. Back, to, I mean, those two awards, wow. And he had the combo of speed, skill and the creativity. Just made him one of the league's most feared attackers. So, right, I'll ask you this. Hazard's transfer to Chelsea in 2012 was 
was, of course, the major turning point in his career. So how, how do you think his playing style and impact on the team evolved in the in the Premier League compared to, obviously, when he was at Lille? I'll get a, I'll get a berth. I'll get a berth on this before we go round. I was... Uh... I was worried when he first came in that he wouldn't adapt because I think in the charity shield he made his debut and he looked a bit weak and he he weren't really at full strength. I thought, ah, is he going to be too weak for the Premier League? Is he going to adapt very quickly? But then I think he got an assist. He got two assists, I think, in his first game against Wigan or he won a penalty yeah. in, in South of Hanovich. I just thought, okay. This guy is really good because I I personally think, in my opinion, uh, he's probably the best dribbler I've ever seen in the Premier League. I, I mean, I don't yeah. know if you any of you disagree, no. but I, I, that that's my I opinion. Mm. I don't know uh, who else you could pick who was better than him. Uh, maybe someone like Azola, but I, I think Hazard was better personally. Um, but yeah, it is his first couple of games that he didn't get the goals, but then once he started. You could tell there was just a player. I think midway through the season, that's when you really saw how good he was. I think he scored yeah. that that wonder goal against Stoke, and he, he proved oh. he could do it on a cold, wet day against Stoke. Yeah. And that's good, <laughs> Brian. To, to have. I love that. Yeah. So I mean, you, you know, thirty-two million. I think we paid for him. Yeah. Perfect price, isn't it? Chris is perfect price for a player. Oh, so love that. Uh, and uh, and from yeah. and from Lee Good. Yeah. Oh, even better. <laughs> bargain really so yeah I mean I was worried to begin with that he wouldn't be able to adapt I thought it'd be a bit too weak but he, he soon he soon uh, squashed that yeah he was uh, that first season he was uh, he was still pretty special even though he got injured towards the end he was he's pretty special yeah I'll, I'll go to Chris then come on a £32 million player from France come on Chris do you know what I think getting him for that price could be the best bit of business we've ever done yeah yeah, because that is these days you're paying 150 million for him easily. Oh yeah, um, easily. So it's uh, he. The biggest compliment I think you give to Hazard is he come from Lille at still a really young age into a team that had just won the Champions League. He walked straight into that team and automatically looked like one of the best players. Mm. I remember that game against Wigan. He was the best player on the pitch. And you thought, we've just won the Champions League and he's rocked up and then he's looked like the best player on the pitch. Um, and I don't think he adapted his style. I honestly don't. I think he just okay. played his game. I think he played his game for his entire time at Chelsea. Uh, and I think he did get looked... better at playing his game. Though. Yeah. Like, that would yeah. be the only oh, thing yeah. that changed. He improved. He, improved. Yeah. he improved, of course, but... I think in terms of the way you watch him play for Lille and you watch him play for Chelsea, it's exactly the same. He, yeah, I agree. I agree. He gets he gets the ball and he goes at people and he makes yeah. things happen. He, there was none of this. Oh, you know, I'm surrounded by Lampard and and Drogba now, and you know, people of you know high stature. There was none of that with him. There was there was mm. none of this. You know what? I, I, I want to give it to good players. I am I'll, a good. I'll, I'll... I am the best player. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll add on to what Chris is saying. I, I think, in a way, uh, I, I don't think he needed to like change anything. He, he literally said exactly the same. But I think, in a way, he's almost a coach's nightmare because he's just best just yeah. doing what Eden Hazard wants to do. Like, yeah. Just let him do what he wants. You well, know, Conte you said that, didn't they? Like, 
Conte is yeah. very much a, a workhorse manager. He wants all his players to work really hard. Mm. And I remember him talking about the season we won the league that he had to adapt his coaching style for Hazard because he was that good that you had to allow him to do nothing because I'm, you knew when he got the ball, he'd win you the game. You say about yeah. Mourinho, I mean, look, as much as Hazard had an impact on the league, the Premier League had an impact on him. I mean, I'll refer to something Mourinho said and it was... In the, he said this is how he said it. He went in the Premier League last season. Eden was very lucky not to break a leg. He could have been injured many, many times. I saw lots of players breaking legs and ankles with less than what he suffered. And the season he's referring to is it's basically 2014 because it's it might have been in the Champions League, but Hazard posted a photo of his ankle and the socks just torn open. Yeah, you could just see the blood and the bruising. Yeah, that, I remember that photo. I, I remember when he posted it and he. I, you're right. Like it, it, it really did leave an impact on him, and and we were quite lucky in a sense, actually, when he did leave us. Yeah. That actually he didn't. That the almost the entire time he was with us, he never suffered a really bad injury. No. Um. And the second he goes to Real Madrid, like yeah. his fitness fell off a cliff. Uh. Like I don't know whether that's self inflicted or not. Maybe it was. I don't know. But you you can't account for like the bad injury he got there as well, no. which then led to the plate in his ankle and yep, then kind exactly. of like what ended up happening and. It's just a shame, really, the way it ended for him. And it's a it's a shame that a player as good as he was wasn't more protected in his prime. I mean, as well. we'll talk. Let's about pos- We'll talk about positives. What what were your standout moments or performances that you feel define his legacy at the Bridge? That's really uh, there's so, so many. Yeah. Oh jeez. We could do well, this. Will be uh, a three hour I'll, show. I'll, I'll, okay. Okay. I'll kick it off with mine's a sentence. I thought I'd be concise and fair. West Ham. Arsenal, Spurs. I just need to say the team names. You already know the exact goals I'm talking about. Yeah, yep, yeah. I um, I thought, and it was one of the best team performances I've ever seen. I think one of Hazard's best games was when we played Everton at home under Conte, and mm. we won yeah, five, five now. now. <laughs> yeah. and Unbelievable! And he was absolutely unplayable. I have never seen a player just look so effortless, good on the pitch. Um, so for me, just to be different, I want to go with that one because it's a team performance as well. But he stood out in that team, which is ridiculous. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what I'd go with. This, I think this. I think this summed Hazard up. We all remember the the ill fated season he took off. Um, the Mourinho second <laughs> season just, disaster. Just, just had some annual leave left over. Yeah, the, yeah, the one he had some holiday. He was yeah. getting all his holidays <laughs> in. I think I know where you go with this, Chris. He. At the end of that season, yeah, it's like he decided, oh, I might as well play again now. And he, yeah, he, after, he his, actually after, his, after he scored the goal against Spurs, he went to Anfield and scored one of the best individual goals you will see at Anfield yeah. after yeah. having an absolutely shocking season. It's like yeah. he could he could play when he wanted to. If he wanted yeah. to turn up, he could play anyone off the pitch. And that really summed up how much of a genius he was. Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't put it any other way. Like, I guess with with me for Hazard, I, like you guys have like you know touched on like the strengths in his in his actual like play and the way he played himself, and I, I think that's obviously what most people will focus on. But also like the guy himself, like he was very likable person. Like he yeah. seemed to like bring a real like sort of camaraderie amongst the um, amongst the team unit. Obviously, he could never be a captain because apparently he never trained ever. Um, but <laughs> but. For me, some of the the moments for that really kind of like identify like what he what he was like 
was, uh, I don't know if any of you remember this, it was that award show when uh, they tried to feed Branner a line. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Hazard, Hazard loses it, and he's amongst all of like, <laughs> all of the, the big folks, and they're all cracking up laughing. And it was just to show that he's like, he was really the catalyst, I think, in terms of like that cohesive yeah, unit man. of the team, like such a popular player. And the other one as Damn. well is just like, to show like how kind of carefree and like spirited he was, like you wouldn't find any players kind of messing about in training like he used to do. No, um, I, no. I don't know if anyone remembers that one video of him doing back when Sterling was in Man City doing the impression of Sterling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that that made me that always made me laugh the way he was doing that. Oh. And like it just kind of showed that to me like the kind of player he was as a, as a person, like almost like his his. Um, his characteristics and his personality almost came through in the way he played. Yeah. There was a yeah. there was another moment with Hazard which I thought which I found hilarious. Uh, it was where uh, why at Southampton um when we were trying to win when we were trying to win oh, the league. Oh, he starts dancing. And he and he's walking out at half time dancing and yeah, you think this is a high yeah. pressure game. Yeah. And you're all, you're so relaxed that you're walking out from the tunnel dancing. Yeah, that is how relaxed he was about You're football. Right. But he knows. But we That's won that thing. game. Like, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. And the, but the thing is, is there was just like an arrogance about, but not like a bad arrogance where like it's totally yeah. not deserved. Yeah, he walked uh, out yeah. with the confidence knowing he was the best player on the pitch because ninety nine point nine percent of the time he was. So yeah. obviously, Real Madrid, the Galactico dream. I mean, in, in June twenty nineteen, when we started our podcast as well. Hazard realised a childhood dream of his, and when he signed for Real Madrid, he it was a testament to his status as one of the world's elite players, and his arrival was met with quite quite high excitement among Real Madrid fans, eager to see him don that iconic jersey they have. However, of course, Hazard's time at Real Madrid was marred by injuries that hindered his ability to make a consistent impact on the pitch. Uh, despite these challenges, he, his moments of brilliance and flashes of his true potential provided glimpses of that world-class talent and he contributed to the La Liga title win in 1920, cementing his place in the club's history as well as collecting a Champions League winner's medal to add to his trophy cabinet. Injuries obviously played a significant role in Hazard's time at Real Madrid. So how do you think these setbacks affected his contribution to the team? And and what do you think could have been if he'd remained injury-free? I don't uh, know how much it really was about the injuries. I know obviously it did affect stuff like really mm. bad at times because especially when he had that metal plate put in his ankle, it just seemed like he just didn't have like the 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 turn, like the low center of gravity kind of spin and turn like he used to. He just couldn't manipulate the ball in the same way. Mm. And I, but so I do wonder how much of it was that versus because when he got it taken out, it, it he did improve, but how much of it was that versus just him kind of giving up a little I, bit? Like it's, it's, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Mm. Because like, like Chris said, you know, there was the year he basically took off and he did play when he wanted that, that, it, you know, you can't, you can't put it any other way. You know, mm, like I, mm. I remember Mikel saying he was like the worst trainer you've ever seen. <laughs> and then every weekend he would turn up with, with magic and that's why he got to play. But obviously if he decides that he's not bothered, yeah, I mean, my view, gonna go my view for this is it's the 26th of November of 2019. That's pretty much that's pretty much the exact day Hazard's career is pretty much over. And that's due to the Munier tackle in the 62nd minute. It's not even, I've looked back this week, it wasn't even a horrible challenge. And the still images 
make some they can obviously we touched on this earlier in the show about gusto it can make something look better or worse than it was depending on what your intent is with them but it Look, not only did he have to come back from obviously this these consistent injuries, but then he had the isolation of recovering from an injury during the pandemic. And then you've got on top of that, you've got the pressure of being a hundred million pound signing. You're also adapting to a new league, a new country. And many also forget Real Madrid was in a transitional phase during Hazard's arrival because Ronaldo's departure had happened, creating that goal scoring void. Hazard's coming in. He's expected to be that main man in attack. And injuries just prevented him from forming those bonds with his team to become that player. You know, his ability to change games instantly is phenomenal. You know, just imagine, I kind of imagine how that would have given Madrid another huge weapon to their arsenal if, if that tackle had not happened. I don't, like, what, what do you think, Chris? You know, the thing is with Hazard, um, a lot was made about the fact that he turned up for his first Real Madrid preseason overweight. Yeah, but apart, yeah, but he, he he turned up every preseason overweight. Yeah, he, he, every he preseason. Did. Yeah, every preseason at Chelsea he turned up overweight. But then it, it, within two weeks he he was trimmed was back like down a, again. It was like a rite of passage. Yeah, and back to playing. So I think people have really like sort of hooked onto that, and that's an excuse that they use. But I don't think people ever take into account the the lockdown. If you're a player like Hazard, who let's face it, his mentality. For everything good about Hazard, his mentality wasn't the best. He didn't have the Ronaldo mentality of wanting no. to win the Ballon d'Or. He didn't care about that stuff. He was too laid back. Um, you give him that much time off. What do you think is going to happen? He ain't mm. going to. He ain't going to be. He ain't going to be at home doing loads of gym work by himself. He's going to be sat around eating. And I think that's what happened. And I think he just got. <laughs> Many of us did that. I just think he got to a point where. It, it, because of the pandemic and, and being in lockdown, he almost over-relaxed. And then mm. I think he, that, that's when he started to get muscular injuries, when he started to come back and do it again, because it was a lot longer off than a, you know, a one summer over the over the summer, you know, six weeks over the summer where he's relaxing and then he's straight back into it again. It was a long time. And I just think all of the minor knocks that he's took probably caught up with him during that yeah. time as well mm-hmm. and i just think overall i just think it was a sort of it was a a perfect storm for him to fail there i don't think the environment at real madrid really suited him either because their players that every player at real madrid looks at themselves as the best player there um yeah, I've sort of saw that myself because I've obviously yeah. watched the Beckham documentary this week. So when sort of so when yeah. when he's when he's training poorly, they're not looking at him thinking, "Sorry, right, he'll do it on Saturday." They're looking mm. at him like you're you're not you're not a Real Madrid player. Yeah. And then if they if they start to treat you that way, then confidence goes down and you feel a bit isolated. And I just think it was a perfect storm. I I think he would have been better if the pandemic wasn't. I think mm-hmm. I don't think he would have been half as bad, but I don't think it, I still don't think it would have gone how everyone expected it to, because I said at the time to a lot of people that I don't think Hazard has the mentality for Real Madrid. Ooh, okay. he, 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 he never seemed to, you have to, if you're going to go and play for Real Madrid, you have to have an, an absolute elite mentality where it is, You've win it all costs and be at our best every single day. Yeah, and that yeah you have to be. Your expectation is to win. Every game is yeah. a win, not yeah. not a draw, a win. That is Real Madrid. That was, and that wasn't Hazard's mentality, but I just mm. think the pandemic had a massive effect on him as well. 
Yeah. I, I'll I'll put this out there. Like he's obviously compared to like Ronaldo and Messi, but I mean he's not better than them, let's be honest. But how how do you feel he measured up when you like sort of you know against them during his career? Uh, I reckon in, in, in his prime, in his prime, I, I think you could argue, even though for his a short stint, he was definitely, he's definitely top five. Oh yeah, I he's a, I'd um, say he's better than Neymar. Hundred percent, hundred percent. What would he have been? Was he better than Suarez? Yes. That's oh, oh I feel bad now. I feel no Suarez bit Ivanovic, so yes, he's better than Suarez. Hazard never bit Ivanovic. <laughs> That's very true. If you're doing yeah. it by by bites though, like okay. Suarez <laughs> is technically the best he's player. He's bites so, XG. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's three or four. Bites he's, definitely three or four. <laughs> he's definitely three or four, but uh I, I think that oh. isn't that isn't a bad thing at all, is it really? No. To be wow. third no. or fourth behind the two greatest players ever. And even yeah. Suarez, you could argue, is probably the best striker we've seen since, well, Brazilian Ronaldo. So Yeah, man. I, I mean, mean, I mean, for me, Hazard always combined the elements of like Messi and Ronaldo. Like he's got the dribbling skills, the creativity, the goal scoring. And he has that, you, you, if you throw in like flair and the sort of versatility, versatility that he had, you've got a player that's going to get crowds off their feet like, like Messi does. And, you know, he, he also... To a point, he succeeded at international and club and club level. You know, clearly not as many trophies as them two. But if you compare, right for me, when I compare anyone to Messi and Ronaldo, because I saw this debate online, which yeah, look, you have to look at the consistency because they've spent a decade at the top tier of the dining table of football. Hazard's career has seen more periods of jumping in and out, you know, of exceptional form, and obviously injuries impact his consistency so like to me Messi at Barcelona and Ronaldo at Madrid Hazard's impact on a single club being obviously Chelsea is equal to them in the terms of impact you know the best player that that's always going to be a matter of personal preference that's why the Messi and Ronaldo debate goes on forever it's um it's so weird though because I think if you're talking about careers he's nowhere near he's nowhere near them to Agreed. But if you're but if you're talking about talent and what they could do on a football pitch, yeah. I could make a case that Hazard was actually more talented than Ronaldo. Yeah, I would say that. Ooh, I, yeah. I don't. I don't you think could, you that. Could say that. I, like, obviously, Ronaldo was like extremely talented as well. People, like, you know, whenever you make comparisons like this, people always like say, "Oh, you don't rate so and so at all." No, it's like <laughs> it's not saying that. It's saying that. You know, equally like incredible, incredible players like the the top point zero 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 million zeros one percent. You know, and the the fact was with Hazard is is that at times there was he would do things on a football pitch that quite literally nobody else could do. Yeah, arguably not even well. arguably no, no, not the, even the, Messi. The under, I, I think the only person that came close to do what Hazard could do or has become close to what Messi could do is, is Messi sort of thing. Oh, I I, think... That's what I was saying. I mean, arguably yeah. Messi, but I think Messi kind of had a different thing about him. Like he, he's just the goat anyway. But yeah, uh, the, the fact but is, is two... like, yeah, him and him and Ronaldo together, is, like you say, is like, uh, they're the goats, obviously. Yeah. You know, whatever, whichever way you want to rank them one or two, they're both the goats. Right. And so then, at times, I think it's only fair to say that Hazard was third. There were there were times where there was nobody in the world, actually, like nobody in the world other than them who who could be considered better than him, hmm. in my view. 
Um, we kind of already have, but like, let's reflect on his entire career. What, what, what do you believe his his lasting legacy will be? Um, to being one of the most naturally gifted football players to ever play in the Premier League. Okay. I think just to ever play full stop. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a Chelsea legend. That that's unquestionable, 100%, 100%. undeniable. Um, I, I think he's like I said, one of the best dribblers I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. And just if you want to. Everyone should take a leaf out of Eden Hazard's book and play football like he should. Not just how he plays, but he plays with a smile on his face. He never moaned. He played to enjoy it. himself. Yeah, yeah, he he just he, he seemed he like calculated he what football like. is. He had a yeah. great bottom. You know he what? He just he just <laughs> and do you know what? That was the secret because it gave yeah. him a low center of gravity. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I <laughs> yeah. mean, I feel. I, I feel I could sum his up his legacy in a haiku, and I have got one. I have got one. Go so on, go on. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, we'll see. We'll see how everyone takes this one. Eden's magic feet dribbling through the field's heartbeat. Football's joy complete. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah we'll. Uh, I mean, in, in, in conclude, I mean, Hazard's career journey from Lille to Chelsea, Real Madrid, you know, it's a tale of talent, perseverance, and a deep love for, for the sport. His impact on each club he graced, along with obviously his individual accolades, solidify his place among among the footballing greats. While obviously injury may have hampered his time in Madrid, his legacy as a footballing icon for me remains solidly intact. So there's no line of the week this week because uh, we don't play, but we have got some questions. I, I've got one in here straight away because I did say I'd keep this one in. Uh, Ollie's got one as well from the Discord. So Steve Steve is keeping the Eden Hazard theme going. And he asked, if Prime Hazard was playing for Madrid rather than Chelsea, do you think he'd have won the Ballon d'Or? Yes. No. Yeah. Oh. No, no. No, no, I disagree. Wow. Why? Uh, I know it's his dream to play for Real Madrid, but I felt like when he got there, he, he had the chance to be, uh, I still feel like he had the chance to become a Ballon d'Or winner, but um, I always thought his mentality stopped him. I know the boy said about oh. his injuries, but I always thought that when he got to Real Madrid, it was, it was his dream to play there. And then it was like, well, this is my dream. Like, I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to accomplish mm. anything else. My dream is already, uh, I don't think he, I don't think he cared if he won the Ballon d'Or or not. Because mm. I think Ronaldo, your mess is, I think they they care if they win it. So I, you, not you, not saying he didn't, wouldn't have deserved it, but I'm saying no, I don't. I love that. Up. I love that take. Actually, I mean, I look look. I looked at his prime years, and at Chelsea they were four, 2014 to 2019, and I thought I, I did a bit of research. So I aligned them with the Ballon d'Or winners for those years. So you got Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Modric, and Messi. And yeah, look, the year that stands out as a potential window for Hazard to have contended was Modric's 2018 win. Because mm-hmm. 2018, Messi's had a relatively subpar season. His performances, they're, they're impressive. It's Messi. But they didn't reach that extraordinary standard that he'd set for himself. And because Argentina, early exit in the World Cup round 16. Barcelona, knocked out in the quarterfinals to Roma. Ronaldo, well, he had a solid year with Juve. Uh, but he fell short of his remarkable goal scoring feat because he'd consistently achieved, I think it was 50 goals each season, and he never got it that season. And they were eliminated by that vintage Ajax team in the quarterfinals in the Champions League. And it was a team that had previously, 
I ousted Real Madrid in the round prior. So, so for me, I feel that it's reasonable to argue that if a prime Hazard had led Madrid past Ajax and then subsequently outperformed Ronaldo Juve in that 2018, he, he could have presented a compelling case for him to contend for that Ballon d'Or. I mean, that was the year where the usual front runners in Ronaldo and Messi faced challenges and that's the potential opportunity for Hazard's a player of his calibre to sort of stake his claim for that award. That, that's my take. My, I reckon if he had gotten further in the um, in the World Cup, I reckon that he that's, would, that's he, what they he, he would yeah. have won it. It's World Cups and Champions League. That's what the Ballon d'Or always will be about. Always will be. That's I, 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 I do think, I, I personally think if he went to Madrid um, early and in his prime, I think he would have gotten over that sort of issue he would have had at the start. And I think he was like, when he joined us, he was still young and hungry, you know. And I think when he went to Real Madrid, probably just wasn't the case. Uh, mm. And so I think if you get Peak Hazard, so like Peak Hazard, who wants to do well, who wants to have fun, who is actually trying, I see no reason why he wouldn't have won the Ballon d'Or because it, I think it would have made him the best player in the world. I think it, I really do. What's your question from the Discord then, Ollie? Uh, okay, so we got one uh, from the logo this time. I, I don't know if you guys remember his last question. About I love Gallagher. it. <laughs> um, uh, but he'll say, he says, uh, where will Madueke play if Palmer has to play on the right to accommodate Gallagher? In the uh, well, considering Palmer has a dead leg, so that means he's out for the season. I feel that he'll probably <laughs> be playing quite easily. So. <laughs> it's a good question. I imagine it just means that I, I imagine it will mean Palmer and, uh, and Madueke just share minutes they just swap each other Ooh, out Palmer you know. and Madueke team up so well at under 21 level let's use that you know yeah I agree but I, I think it I think Pochettino will more likely sort of shoehorn Gallagher into the into the team because I think he sees that as more important what do you think lads yeah I uh I, I think Pochettino sees Gallagher um as a more important part to the team so I think for the most part Madueke will probably be on the bench. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know what's funny though. Whenever people are talking about this, about who's going to play where, yeah, Gallagher always gets brought up as the player who's being shoehorned in. But in our best player. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But really, when you think about it, if if you're talking about shoehorning someone in, then they have to not be performing. But he is. Mm. He's been yeah. one of our best players. So yeah, agreed. If you're gonna, you know, who's the better player, Enzo or Gallagher? Well, Enzo's the better Ooh. player, but but who's playing better, Gallagher is. Yeah. So if anyone's gonna drop out in that scenario to accommodate Madueke or Nkunku when he comes back, then Enzo should be the one who drops out because it should mm. be about what they're doing on the pitch, That's not fair. about what they not about what they can do. We've done this for too long now. Yeah. Play players <laughs> on what they can do. That is it's true. It's. Uh, um, yeah, with Madueke, with Madueke though, I, I agree with what he said. I think he'll just, I think he'll just trade minutes with with Palmer. It's when Nkunku comes back, we've got the real problem. Exactly, that's a good yeah. headache to have. It's a good headache. Uh, and then Lavia as well does not help things. Oh either God, yeah. I forgot about it. Yeah. See, um, right, George has asked, and I'll read this one out because I didn't write it in the script. But uh, we're all talking about Osman coming to Chelsea for around 120 to 140 million. But do you feel that he'll just end up like Lukaku and Morata? They both scored for fun in the Serie A, but they couldn't do it in the Prem. He personally wants Ivan Tony because he's English and a proven Premier League striker. And yeah, I can't I can't argue with that what that state. 
he then goes, who else do you think we should look at? In my opinion, we should look at Ollie Watkins. He's proven and he would come in for about 30 to 40. I think double that to 60 to 80 because he's just signed a new deal. I don't think Ollie Watkins is going anywhere. And he scored uh, a hat-trick the other week, didn't he? Oh, that makes it 150 million. He doesn't play for Brighton, so bring that fee down to about 100 million. Yeah, you've got a deal there. Um, he's got a point about Osman though. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually do agree with that. I think Osman. I'm not saying like he would definitely be bad or definitely be good, but I feel like it's a high flop potential, high, like high potential flop signing. You know, like it just feel. I don't know. Like on vibe alone, more than anything else, it just feels like he might flop. I don't know. Mm, it's a worry. It's a worry. What do you think, Chris? Um, I understand where people are coming from, but. I've seen a lot of Ozzyman, and if you look at his goal-scoring record everywhere, it's really good. Um, but wasn't had Lukaku's that... as well? Yeah, we've had that before. The difference, I think, is that Ozzyman has an elite mentality. He is a winner. He wa- he goes on the pitch to win every game, and he makes sure that his teammates come with him. Um, mm. And I, I don't think we've had that for a long time. He wouldn't be weighed down by expectation uh he wouldn't be weighed down by if he goes a couple of games without a goal yeah. this is a player whose own club embarrassed him on social media and then he turned up on the weekend and scored for them yeah so, so true so true he he can put everything aside and go and perform on the pitch and i just think if that's the if that's the option now i don't think there's a better striker on the market that we could go and get that's fair um Right, we're going to move to... Come on. Come on. Lone Army Carousel, birth game. It's it's the game of categories, uh, rules I lost simple. last time. Birth originally wasn't actually coming on the show tonight exactly. because he was and, too yeah. afraid of me. <laughs> weren't you? <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> right. We'll go with that. Yeah, right, we'll, let's go straight to the category. It is players who scored 10 or more Premier League goals in the 2006-2007 season. There are 21 names, and I am going to be nice because I'll give you the list of the clubs and the goals they scored. Not all of them. You get the idea anyway. So this is alphabetical order. Oh, I don't know if I should do that. You might get them easier. Who cares? 11 for Everton, 18 for Blackburn, 11 for West Ham, 17 for United, 14 for Cholton, 20 for Chelsea, 12 for Spurs, 12 for Liverpool, 11 for Chelsea, 10 for Arsenal, 10 for Spurs, 13 for Reading, 14 for Borough, 11 for Bolton, 10 for Portsmouth, 11 for Newcastle, 11 for Spurs, 11 for Arsenal, 10 for Arsenal, 14 for Man United, and 12 again for Borough. So I'll go to Wally because it's he's the uh, the youngest of us. So give him <laughs> a bit, give him a fair chance here. I was eight when this season <laughs> was played. So, so any um, you've, you've got the clubs, you've got the goals. I'm going to go with um, Didier Drogba. He's on there, 20 for Chelsea. We'll go to Berth, uh, Mr. Champion. I'm going to go to Wayne Rooney. He's 14 for Man United. Um, I'll be honest with you, you reading those names and that out hasn't helped me at all because now I'm just, I'm, my, my brain's overloaded. Uh, I can't I'll believe it. All I remember is Reading and it's really messing with me. <laughs> uh, I'll go with... Uh, Yakubu. Oh, 12 for Borough. Uh, I'll go with Lampard. 11 for Chelsea. Uh, I'll go for Ronaldo. 17 for Man United. 
I've really got hung up on the Reading one. <laughs> I wanna I wanna say Leroy Lita. Oh no, it's not. Oh. It's not. Chris has gone. We got a we got a Ollie. I took a I took a risk. I got really hung up on Reading. Oh no. <laughs> um Van Persie. Eleven for Arsenal. I would have four. It was hard Berbatov. Oh, that's a shout. Good shout. Twelve for Spurs. Uh, Defoe, <sighs> Jermaine Defoe, ten for Spurs. Henry, Thierry Henry, he got ten for oh, Arsenal. Thank God, jeez, whoa, that was a that was a risk in that season. Yeah, <laughs> I know he left us after. Yeah. Oh man. What about? Wasn't Anelka in the Prem that season? Eleven for Bolton. Oh, I think I've just remembered who the Reading one is. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I've just remembered who it is, I think. Uh owner for Robbie Keane. Eleven for Spurs. Good shout. I feel like I'm doing an FA Cup draw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Peter Crouch. <gasps> no. Oh. Birth can win it. I'm going to go for Andy Johnson. Yes, 11 for Everton. Yeah, come on. So you've got three, six, seven, eight, nine left. There's one I don't think you'll can get. I, can I, I guess the, uh, the Reading one? Uh, it's either two people here, and I'm, gonna, I'm not too sure. It's either Dave Kitson or Kevin Doyle. It's Kevin Doyle. Oh, yeah. Kevin Doyle, That's I thought, was, yeah. yeah. Can you get 11 for Newcastle? Craig Bellamy. No, he's a... He's a oh, I, I love him because he plays for Seattle Sounders. 06, 07. Uh, but Femi yeah. Martins, maybe? Oh, it was enough. the Seattle Sounders icon. Oh, uh, yeah, 10, 10 for Portsmouth. No, honestly, no idea. Can I? Can I, yeah. Can I? Yeah. Canu, Mr. Size 15. Defoe, but he's a bit, bit after Defoe, wasn't he? No. Yeah. Uh, 18 for Blackburn was Benny McCarthy. Yeah, never got 11 that. for West Ham was Bobby Zamora. 14 for Charlton was Darren Bent. 12 for Liverpool was Dirk Cout. Oh, 14 for Borough was Mark Viduka. And the one that I was shocked by, because I did this quiz and I never got it right, 10 for Arsenal was Gilberto Silva. Wow. I didn't know he even scored goals. Wow. I never imagined him as a goal scorer. So yeah, I was no. like, "What?" I want, I want to say, I want to say he must have took penalties that year. Sure, he must have. He must have. Oh, sure. You know, I'm, I'm like not all of happy them. with my performance there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I did okay. I can't get over that. I, I'm just checking it on my phone now because I, I, I don't want to cause my penalties to fall over. He must have because I'm sure he was like a defensive midfielder at, for Arsenal. Yeah, he was. Uh, um, hang on, I'll pull up his career stats. So that was his most his best year. He got ten goals, and in the others, he got four, two, one, zero, zero. <laughs> so yeah, he must have been taking penalties because that is yeah. uh, that is something. Why would Fair play, Gilberto? I guess maybe he wasn't playing as. Oh, much. he. he I, don't I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, hey, listeners, look, the end of another episode. Uh, thank you as always. Treat yourself well. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. We're going to review the game between Chelsea Women and West Ham. Do a, We did it on Monday and people loved it. So 
We'll do it again Monday. Even better. So there's also going to be the news from the weekend. Uh, hopefully Cole Palmer will be fine. We hope. We hope. So till next time, that is going to be us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.